It is good to see you here today. Glad we can all be together. Once again, I got into a dust bowl, <coughs> but uh, I think I'm going to make it. Uh, but it's good to see you here and glad that you're worshiping with us. If you are visiting here, we're glad to have you here and hope that you will um, be back to worship with us on many, many future occasions. Announcements for today. Kids, we have our regular Sunday night program tonight. See you at 5.30 to 7 for choir, mission kids, and Bible study. And then first through fifth graders are reminded of handbells with Jessica in the social hall at 5 p.m. Our first Wednesday supper, because May is at hand, uh, is this week. Join us from 5.30 to 7 in the social hall for a catered meal. The menu this time is spaghetti, salad, bread, dessert, and tea. Please visit the Relay for Life table to see how you can support our mission kids in their spring mission project to support the American Cancer Society. Uh, over the next several weeks, our mission kids will be selling cupcakes for the cure, among other Relay for Life fundraising items. Uh, come see us. Uh, a note, too, to remind you, look into the Memorial Family Fun Day outing, uh, this time a Greenville uh, Drive game on May the 20th. Um, and also, looking ahead, Bible School uh, 2012 um, is June 3 through 7. Uh, it's Operation Overboard, sounds good, uh, from 6 to 7.45 each night. Registration form, forms are available in the gym, or you can talk with uh, Katie to um, get more information. Been asked also to announce that you can purchase a luminaria for a relay today. Um, that word is in your bulletin as well. Um, not listed as under the general announcements and prayers and concerns, because it happened on Friday, is the name of Charlene Sheely. Uh, Charlene fell and uh, probably, well, she has three fractures of her shoulder. I'm not sure what she's gonna have to have done, but remember her uh, in your prayers. Also, if you drive by the parsonage, you will notice that a lot of work has been done in the yard already. Uh, landscaping and, and a new lawn. Uh, it's going to be really something if the month after the Holtz have moved out, we win Yard of the Month. That's just <laughs> going to be very strange, but it does look very, very good. And finally, this is uh, an intellectual joke for you smart people. I learned this at Waffle House the other day. Do you know what the Buddhist said to the hot dog vendor, make me one with everything. <laughs> Never mind. <clears throat> now that I've ruined your appetite for early lunch, uh, let us begin our time together in worship.
as we remain standing, let us affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, the only Son of Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Be seated, please. This time we invite the children to come forward to join Katie Jeter for a few moments of sharing. you a verse of scripture before I show you a picture that I brought with me this morning. Our scripture comes out of John chapter 10 and it's two verses 14 and 15. It says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Are you sneaking a peek at my picture? Okay. This is who I brought with me this morning. Who is this a picture of? Does anybody know? My dog. My dog, Marley. You've seen Marley before? Yes, you have. Do any of you have a pet? No? What kind of pets do you have? A dog? Oh, I'm sorry. That does happen. Christy? Two dogs. Rachel? Ella? Guinea pigs. What else? Alexander? Oh my goodness. So we have lots of pets. I want to share. What kind of pets? Wow. Okay. Cats, dogs. What else do we say? Fish. Guinea pigs. Okay. So there are lots of kind of pets that we have. And if you choose to have a pet, a lot of things come with that. A lot of responsibility comes with having a pet, right? Okay. Hold on just a second. If you have a pet, like my dog Marley, there's that pet needs. What do they need? Food, water, shelter, somewhere to sleep. They need to go on walks. What else do they need? Anything else? They need space to run and get their energy out. Rachel? They need love. Yeah. And what happens if the pet that we love and take care of runs away? What if that were to happen? Would we just say, way. No, what would we do? We would go look for that pet until we found it and brought it home to be safe. So as I think about a pet and taking care of it, I'm glad. Okay, see, I'm 
if we think about taking care of our pets, it kind of reminds me of something that Jesus said in the Bible that I just shared with you in that scripture from John. He says, I am the good shepherd. Well, a shepherd is a person who takes care of a sheep because sheep can't really take care of themselves on their own. They need somebody who looks out for them and cares for them and makes sure they're safe and protected. They need somebody to keep them safe and protected from harm. And Jesus said that he knows his sheep and his sheep know him. And he is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. So he must really love his sheep, don't you think? Do you think that he's really talking about animals? What could he also be talking about? Who are his sheep? We are his sheep. So he was talking about you and me in that scripture that I read. We are his sheep, and he loves us so much that he's going to make sure we have everything we need. He's going to keep us safe and protect us from harm. And what was he even willing to do? Did he give his life for us? That's right. So there's no doubt about it. Jesus really loves his sheep. Will you close your eyes and bow your heads and pray with me? Okay. Dear Jesus, we are thankful for you being our good shepherd. Thank you for loving us and taking care of us. Most of all, we thank you for laying down your life for us so that we can have everlasting life in heaven with you. In Jesus' name, amen. I saw that picture earlier, and I thought it was Eric. I, uh, we appreciate all that Katie does for us and the uh, rest of the staff as well, but Katie's always doing something for the children. We appreciate that. Um, Old Testament reading for today is from Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Here now, the lesson. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the, then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is Psalm 46. On page 780, I invite you to stand as you're able as we share this passage of scripture responsibly.
God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult, there is a river which brings a glad city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city which shall not be moved. God will help it at the dawn of, of the day. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, God's voice resounds, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has wrought desolations in the earth. Who makes war cease to the end of the earth, breaks the bow, shatters the spear, and burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of us is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. For the epistle reading today from Romans, I'm going to be reading from a translation known as The Message. It's actually a paraphrase, but it says so beautifully what I believe um, the Apostle Paul was actually uh, trying to say to us about this good news that we believe in. It's news I'm most proud to proclaim this extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts him, starting with the Jews, and then right on to everyone else. God's way of putting people right shows up in the acts of faith, confirming what the scripture has said all along. The person in right standing before God by trusting him really lives. The God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. And not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there is no difference between us and them in this. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us, God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear the world of sin. 
Having faith in him sets us in the clear. God decided on this course of action in full view of the public to set the world in the clear with himself through the sacrifice of Jesus, finally taking care of the sins he had so patiently endured. This is not only clear, but it's now. This is current history. God sets things right. He also makes it possible for us to live in his rightness. So where does that leave our proud Jewish insider claims and counterclaims? Canceled? Yes, canceled. What we've learned is this. God does not respond to what we do. We respond to what God does. We've finally figured it out. Our lives get in step with God and all others by letting him set the pace, not by proudly or anxiously trying to run the parade. Here ends the lesson.
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, every one of us who is here today has something in our lives, in our minds, somewhere connected with us. It seems to be some impossible problem. A big rock that just can't be moved. It might be as simple as loneliness or as big as an illness. It might be concerns for children, even grown children. It might be guilt that we feel in our hearts because we do know that we have sinned and fallen short of your glory. Every one of us who is here is facing something that is bigger than we are. But thanks be unto God, it is not bigger than you are. And so we come in one heart, in one mind, to bring before you all these concerns that we have, knowing that you care about all aspects of our lives, <clears throat> knowing that you want for us health, healing, plenty, and the ability to share your love and care with others. So, Lord, we come to you and we say, you are our strength, you are our help, you are our deliverer, come to our aid. We're especially thankful for that old rugged cross for we know we no longer bear our sins upon our own backs. Jesus has carried those sins for us. Let us all feel your grace and your love this day as we feel your forgiveness that we know we don't deserve, but which you have poured out upon us time and time again. Let us feel your nearness as we gather in your name, O Lord. Cause us once again to feel your embrace and to know of your strengthening touch in our lives. And cause us to go forth from here expecting to see your hand of mercy and strength at work on whatever our problems might be. We believe, Lord, that you will be at work in all the things in life that we face Help us to see that so that our joy and our hope may be strengthened. These are our prayers through Jesus Christ who has taught us to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving. <coughs>
believe the latest issues of The Messenger are in the back if you need to get one of those as you leave today. They also should be coming, if they've not already been sent on the uh, internet, to you. Um, the men's club had a very successful barbecue cookout and sale yesterday. Um, usually we are able to buy leftovers on Sunday for lunch. Sorry, you're out of luck. It was a sellout. So um, anyway, we appreciate the men for a, a good day of hard work yesterday. Here now the gospel reading for the day, which is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 7 through 14. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if, he has, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Here ends the lesson. <clears throat> I must confess to you that I'm a bit of a news nut. I like to have uh, news on and check with that five or six times a day. Probably the best comedy was on News Channel last night when they had the uh, White House Press Corps supper. But I do love to uh, hear the news and read the newspaper. When I was a child, my parents checked the news twice a day. In the morning, they read the newspaper, and at supper time, we looked at the Huntley-Brinkley report. Their parents, my grandparents, relied mostly on newspapers, although my granddad had this humongous, tall radio that occupied half the, the basement of his home. The generation before that relied solely on newspapers. In the 1800s, before news wires and radios, news really never was news. It was old most of the time by the time you heard it. It was days old before you found out what was going on. Back in the 1800s, you could vote for president in early November and not know who won for several months. I know we tried that ourselves back in the year 2000, but that was a the way they did it every election back in the 1800s. They didn't have to mess with hanging or dimple chads. They just had to wait on the news to finally make it to them. But when you go back even further to the New Testament era, you find that there were no newspapers, or as far as we know, no daily news rocks, in spite of what Fred Flintstone may have tried to teach you. News traveled with merchants and travelers who brought news from all over the Roman Empire 
that news was indeed very old, often by the time it got to you. The word news means a recent event or a fresh idea. We say to one another, what's new? The word gospel means news that is good. New ideas from God that are good. <clears throat> we are so saturated by religion in our day, especially in the South, that we forget that when Paul wrote his words to the Romans, what he wrote was news. His words contained new, unfamiliar ideas. It was not only good news, it was fresh, hot off the press news. In our time, something new has been added. The message paraphrase of the Bible captures uh, that idea. And I really see four new ideas in that passage. First of all, Paul presents us with a new understanding about human nature and the universal nature of sin. It's very easy for us to think like a child that there are only two kinds of people in the world, good and bad, saint and sinner, accepted and rejected, good and bad, in and out. But those who generally think this way think that they are in the good side, good enough for God. At least they know they're better than that bunch over there. That often causes them to look down on others, those others who are sinners hopelessly lost. Other folks wonder if God grades on the curve, like my high school chemistry teacher. Back in high school, the test had 30 questions. If the highest student grade was 20 out of 30, that was 66% and usually an F. But if you grade on the curve, 20 became an A. And a person who only got 12 out of 30 questions correct, 40% might end up with a C average in the class. Does God grade like that? Maybe I don't have to be perfect only better than other folks. Is that what God requires of us? Part of the new news from Paul is that God doesn't see two kinds of people, saints and sinners, good or bad. Neither does he see some folks better than others. He sees us all the same. We're all just sinners. All have sinned, said Paul and fall short of God's expectations. Hear those words from our paraphrase again. We've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them. We're utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us. This part of the good news may seem like bad news, but it's still the truth. The fresh news from God says that we're all on a sinking ship. Some of us may have better rooms and cabins on the ship, but we're all going down. There are no saints, just us sinners, every one of us, and we're going down. The second new idea relates to the law's purpose in our lives. And Paul really saw two purposes 
The law, first of all, tells us how we're supposed to live our lives. What is the right thing to do? But secondly, it makes us aware when we do something wrong. It makes us aware that we don't always follow the rules like we should. It's like walking along a dark path with a flashlight. The flashlight not only shows us where the path is going, but it also shows us the weeds when we fall off the path and get out in the woods a bit. <clears throat> Speaking of the law, the paraphrase we read says this, our involvement with God's revelation, the law, doesn't put us right with God. What it does is force us to face our complicity in everyone else's sin. So the new idea here is that the purpose of the law is to make it painfully clear to us that we do not always walk the straight and narrow. And that makes us conscious of the fact that we are sinners who need salvation and forgiveness. But the law also served another purpose. It promised us that a new way to right standing with God would eventually be revealed. A new way would come along. Which brings us to the third new news of the gospel. The, way, the new way to righteousness or right standing with God has now been revealed, Paul writes. That word righteousness is used in three different ways in scripture. First, it is a condition of perfect holiness. Therefore, that belongs only to God himself. Secondly, it's a status that we wish we had, but don't. We hunger and thirst for righteousness, Jesus said. Thirdly, righteousness is something that God can give us if God so chooses. It is a declaration that we're not guilty. It is that third meaning that Paul announces as the gospel's new news. We were out of step with God. He's righteous and holy. We are sinners. But God has conferred upon us the state of righteousness. It reminds me of what happens every year at graduation in our colleges. People who have worked very hard for four years finally have earned their college diploma. And they are given what they deserve. But then the college always invites somebody that hadn't studied one day at that institution. And the college confers an honorary doctoral degree upon them. This is what the good news is like. We haven't done a thing to graduate. We haven't done a thing to be awarded a, a degree of righteousness. But nevertheless, God has called us back to confer a degree upon us. He confers a degree of righteousness upon us. Listen again to the words of scripture. Out of sheer generosity, he puts us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. God decided to set the world in the clear with himself through the sacrifice of Jesus. God sets right all who welcome his actions and enter into it.
That's what is new about the good news. It is God's new way of setting people right with himself. Somewhere else in scripture we are told that we can approach God's throne with boldness instead of fear. Can you imagine that? Walking up to the throne of Almighty God, not crawling up, but walking up to the throne of God like we own the place because God has picked us up and stood us on our own two feet and called us his child, his children. The story is told that back during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962, President Kennedy was about to have a very, very important cabinet meeting. He left strict orders that no one was to be allowed into the room to disturb what they were doing. So the members of the president's cabinet were amazed when the door cracked open just a little bit and a little boy made his way into that room. And suddenly this little boy seemed to have absolutely free access to everything in that room, including the president of the United States. The prime minister of Great Britain might have not been allowed to come in. The speaker of the house would have had to wait. But those rules didn't seem to apply to little John Kennedy, the president's son. He could walk up boldly to the president of the United States and demand his time and be allowed to sit on the president's lap. We children of God can also walk boldly up to God's throne without fear because that is our heavenly father who is seated there on the throne. The fourth new news of the gospel is shown it, uh, is that uh, there's a new reason now, a new motivation for good living, responsible living. Paul ends this section by raising the question, well, if we're put right with God by faith, then does it really matter how we live? Do we any longer have to obey moral laws? It doesn't mean that at all, Paul says. In fact, he says that when you really understand what it means that you've been set right with God, it will affect the way you live every moment of every day. Our motive for good works has shifted away from the attempt to earn God's favor to a life of loving gratitude, showing God how thankful we are to be his forgiven children. We're so grateful to be loved that our daily lives look different because of that gratitude. A good friend of mine who died a couple of years ago, Reverend Olin Scheidel, left the business world late in life. He was a Floor Daniel uh, draftsman worker, went into the Methodist ministry. He loved to tell about a woman who was married to a mean, mean man who was awfully rough with her at times. If his supper wasn't waiting for him on the table, when he got there, in spite of the fact that both he and she worked, he flew into a rage. If the house wasn't kept spotless, he would threaten to beat her. She obeyed his every wish because she was scared to death of this man. Finally, and perhaps blessedly, the mean man died. 
Some years later, the woman remarried, but this time she married a man who was very kind and generous. He liked to take her out to meals rather than expect her to cook for him because she'd worked hard all day, he said. Sometimes she'd come home and he would have cooked supper and put it on the table for her. And he didn't expect her to do all the housework. They shared the housekeeping duties. But the woman worked just as hard to please her new husband as she had to please the mean husband. But this time, it was for a different motive. She was no longer afraid of the man she was married to. This time, she did everything for love. That's how it can be for us, Paul says. We follow God's laws not because we're afraid of God, but because we know we're loved and want to find some way to love God back in return. The wonderful new news of the gospel is that although all of us are sinners, God has set us right with himself by means of Christ's death for us. And now we can live a life of love and kindness, not because we have to, but because we want to. May we all hear the good news of God's new way of setting people right with himself. Amen.